Hello, everyone, and once again, welcome to a special episode of On Air with the Chair. I'm Captain Nick James, your MEC Chairman, and in today's special episode, we are going to cover our most recent negotiating priority survey results. These results in detail have been shared with the MEC at our most recent MEC meeting with all of the LEC reps, officers, attorneys, and relevant committee chairs and members. These survey results are going to help us formulate our strategies in the future that we are going to use at the negotiating table to ensure your voice and directions are our primary focus. We are also working with the comms committee to develop small interim surveys that we hope to release periodically to the pilot group through different communication mediums. These will contain a very small amount of questions, maybe one or two at a time, but will help us continuously engage with you so that your direction is heard. Given that this is a special episode, we will not be taking a question from the front line today. However, remember, if you do have a question or a topic for an idea, please email edvonair at alpha.org. That's edvonair at alpha.org. So let's get right down to it, which is the survey results. And, and let's first talk about what we're going to cover and we what we aren't going to cover. The survey is it was broken down into four primary parts. There was demographics. There were general questions surrounding our, you know, our contract and the handling of COVID by the MEC, our bargaining priorities, and then questions about the MEC and its representation and performance. We are going to talk in some details about the demographics, the general questions, and the questions regarding the MEC's representation and performance, but we're not going to be talking specifically about the bargaining priorities because that would weaken our leverage and our position at the negotiating table if we released that information uh, publicly. That's why we have shared it with the LEC reps, your elected representatives, and all of the SMEs that, that work behind the scenes to help us achieve our contractual goals. So let's first talk about the number of participants or number of pilots that participated in the survey. We had 936 pilots that ended up taking the negotiating committee priority survey, and we really, really appreciate um, everyone that took the time to give us their feedback, because again, it will help us shape and formulate our direction and our decisions. That represents about just under 50% of the pilot group. While we would always love to see survey results that were higher, 60%, 70%, maybe even 80%, because the more participation that we, we gain, the better validity that we have in the results, 49.7% is better than what we experienced four years ago during our last survey, which was right down around 42% or 700 pilots as we had a, a smaller pilot group back then. Most importantly, what we take a look at is not necessarily just the amount of participants, but where those participants are coming from. As far as domiciles, 36% of the respondents came from Atlanta, 25% from Detroit, 21% from New York, 11% from Minneapolis, and 6% from Cincinnati. All of these numbers have been rounded up or down. So if you're taking notes on paper and you add it up and they, they're just a little shy of 100% or just a little over 100%, it is, it is a rounding error. And when we take a look at the domicile participants as really any of these categories, what we're going to find is it is a pretty equal distribution of where our pilots are at, or at least within the realm of reasonableness that we believe that we have captured a good cross-section of domicile participants. As far as equipment is concerned, 75% of the pilots reported that they fly either the 700 or 900, with 25% uh, reporting on the 200. We had 53% 
captain participation, 47% first officer uh, participation. Keeping in mind that we usually have a few more captains than we have first officers, and that is considered to be balanced staffing because captains tend to have more longevity and therefore they tend to have more weeks of vacation and therefore planned absences. So we always see just a slightly higher percentage on, on captains versus FOs, and that is not unusual. Um, the one item that actually caught us a little bit by surprise, if there was anything, and there were very few surprises in the entire survey, was the commuting population. 53% said they are commuting to work by air. 47% said they are not commuting to work by air. Usually when we've taken a look at these surveys in the past, those numbers have been closer to the 60-40 split or maybe even 65-35 split. Um, with the amount of realignments that are occurring, obviously this percentage is going to fluctuate, but it was uh, a little skewed, I would say, uh, to the non-commuters. But please keep in mind that that did not change the fact that we did hear from several commuters about what their priorities are, especially in regards to positive space to and from work, which your MEC is working on as we speak. As far as line holder or reserve, 78% uh, of the respondents were line holders, 22% were reserves. And then we had uh, LCPs coming in at 6%, FTIs coming in at 2% of the respondents, and management uh, pilots coming in at 1%. So moving on into the next section of the survey, there was a question that asked, what is your reserve preference? If you had to, to pick which one you wanted to see the most, which one would, would that be? And the vast majority of people uh, identified long call reserve as their top option, which really comes as no surprise. And this is why um, on our strategic list of objectives, we are looking at numerous ways to improve and enhance long call reserve, whether it's just a straight higher long call reserve percentage or a longer call out time for LCR, we are looking to get more of a Delta style model. Of course, with that, there may be have to, we may have to entertain some changes to our LCR. We've got some pretty lucrative um, escalation pay. If you are escalated from LCR to SCR, that might be something that we would have to entertain uh, changing if we drive those percentages higher. But we, we definitely heard from the pilots and LCR is the top option. Uh, the next one, and you know, it, it really should be no surprise if you look at, at where the demographic of this airline is, but the question was, how long have you worked for Endeavor Air? 71% of our pilots uh, identify that they have worked here between zero and five years, which really just kind of is kind of indicative of how much hiring we've done since the 2015 timeframe. Um, and so it's very, very heavily weighted towards uh, kind of that cross-section of pilots. I know in the survey comments, a couple of pilots expressed some concerns that only the senior contingent were going to be heard or do the survey, but that clearly isn't the case with, again, 71% of the respondents being within that zero to five range. Um, you guys also informed us that most pilots like to pick up open time and most pilots are uh, desiring a line credit of 75 hours or greater. So that really closed out the, the demographic section of it. And as we took a look at that in totality and we worked uh, internally amongst our team and with Alpa National, we really feel good about the cross-section of pilots that, again, participated and responded to the survey. And we can view the survey results as valid as far as our strategic objectives are concerned. So that's great. Thank you so much again for that participation. So the second section of the survey is general questions. And the first question inside there was, please rate your current fee for departure or regional contract. You know, how, how good do you believe Endeavor's contract is against our industry peers? And 74% of you rated it either good or very good, which 
I think the vast majority, shows the vast majority of our pilots uh, understand that we do have a good contract. And fortunately, we have been able to protect that contract in the worst downturn this, this industry has ever seen. So we are thankful for that outcome. 19% uh, of you said that it is an average contract, and then the rest filled out either poor or very poor or even unsure. When we take a look at why people think we have a good contract, or even more importantly, why, why we don't have as good of a contract as we should, uh, a couple of things have really kind of boiled to the top, and one of them is, is trip duty rigs. Um, I know that that's a focal point of the MEC, especially with the schedule quality the way it is right now. Um, I want to say something about trip duty rigs because there were some comments in the survey about why hasn't the union prioritized these, see we really need them, look at the environment we are in, and that's very true. But I also want to remind the, the pilot group that trip duty rigs has been a priority of the MEC for a very, very long time. We've had opportunities to get it. We've prioritized other items ahead of it because they were more valuable. And the pilot group at the time told us they wanted those items to be prioritized. Prioritized. So when we take a look at things like um, retention bonuses or moving those bonuses into a permanent rate, achieving higher 401k, more sick time, better, uh, better soft credit, all of those things were... Um, identified by the pilot group at that time as being higher priorities and, quite frankly, more lucrative than trip duty rigs. So sometimes this is where you can become a victim of your own success a little bit. You clear those off your plate and then trip duty rig comes up and you have the question of, well, why haven't you gotten it yet? Well, it's because we were able to achieve these other items. Now, right now, it would be difficult to get trip duty rig. I, I don't want to pull any punches with uh, the pilot group. When you're in an environment where costs are a major concern. To go to the bargaining table and try to get a very cost intrusive economic item such as trip duty rig is, is not an easy task and, and quite frankly may not be achievable right now. But in the future, we, we absolutely can prioritize uh, trip duty rigs to ensure that either the reserve pilot is getting paid for those, you know, those long sets or that the line holder is going to have better efficiencies in their schedule, which is usually what's gonna happen with the trip duty rig. The next question was, how successful do you think your union has been in achieving your contractual goals? 55% said either good or very good, with 24% saying average, and then rounding out the bottom 20% saying marginally or not successful at all. So when you compare that question with the other question, which is rate your fee for departure contract, 74% um, saying either good or very good, but 55% saying that they believe that we've been successful in achieving our contractual goals, you know, why is that? What, what were the comments that we received as far as feedback was concerned? Well, one of the main comments that we received in this question and, and several others was about guaranteed and contractual career progression. They, there seems to be this perception that because we are focused on guaranteed and contractual career progression or because we've prioritized that as our number one objective, as the public campaign of progression for all continues on, we must then therefore be giving up opportunities to get other items of value, whether it's trip duty rigs or better short call stay uh, hotel stay language or an increase in LCR, we must be foregoing bargaining opportunities because we are trying to get career progression. In Endeavor's 10-year history, um, we have negotiated 121 LOAs. We have been by far the most active bargaining agent in the industry, bar none. There isn't anybody else that has done more collective bargaining than the Endeavor MEC. And of all of those deals, we have only not reached an agreement one time. 
one time in 121 um, LOAs. And that one time we didn't reach an agreement because we weren't able to get career progression, it was when the company wanted to cut our pay at the beginning of the pandemic by an additional 27%. And that would be on top of the 16% organic pay cut that we took because our flying disappeared. They wanted to take our minimum guarantee from 75 to 55. And we said, look, you know, we, we will take a short-term hit, but we just want a, a mechanism that guarantees long-term recovery. And we believe career progression does that. We believe that that is not cost intrusive to the company. It gives you the savings that you need today and in perpetuity makes sure that we save longevity as the program continues on. So you get a savings today and a savings tomorrow. And so we think that career progression really fits. You, you guys are all well aware that the company declined our offer and that was fine. You know, we just, we didn't reach an agreement, but that is the only time that we've not reached an agreement because we couldn't talk about guaranteed and contractual career progression. So if you're wondering, you know, I don't want to support career progression or the progression for all campaign because I think we're leaving opportunities on the table. That is not true. In fact, the exact opposite is true. We have been able to leverage our lack of career progression into benefits into the JCBA today and now. So there are no better test cases of this theory than LOA 71 and LOA 91. If you map out those agreements, you will see the agreements are heavily weighted in favor of the pilots. And why is that? Because we didn't achieve guaranteed and contractual career progression at a time where maybe it was available. But what we were able to do is we were able to leverage the lack of career progression into benefits into the contract here today. And we have done that time and time again. We've also protected the contract against concessions or against deals that weren't necessarily in our best interest as a result of not having career progression. So if you're supportive of career progression for all of the, the aforementioned reasons that we've talked about in other podcasts and chairman's updates, please continue to be supportive of it. But if you're not supportive of it because you want to see things here today, keep in mind that your support of that career progression model has allowed us to be able to achieve contractual benefits today. So please reach out to your LEC rep. Please reach out to your officers if you have any questions on that. But it is a very good reason to continue to support the PFA campaign and to wear the lanyard. So the next question was, please rate the Endeavor MEC's handling of the COVID crisis. 67% of you uh, said that we did either a good or very good job with 15% saying average and 18% saying marginally or not successful at all. The comments inside those sections really related around uh, communication. Most thought we did a very, very good job communicating, but some said that answers were slow in coming. And, and you're completely right, they were very slow. Um, this carrier, this industry, this country, in fact, this entire world was trying to catch up on COVID. We were all behind, every single one of us. And we faced some very tough uh, scenarios and situations that were really unforeseen and that we had not planned for. And we had to adapt. And sometimes that adaptation and those the right solutions, sometimes it took us uh, a few days, maybe even a couple of weeks. So we do apologize for that. And you know, we always learn from you know our mistakes, and we'll look uh, we'll look to do better at, next time on that. But 67% still is a, a very good rating, and we are happy with that performance. Then the last question about uh, that was in the general section was, how long do you believe our it's going to take for our industry to return? And over 60% said any time between now and two years from today. And I think that that is probably accurate uh, for the fee for departure network. Uh, as I've always said, we are the last to take a hit and we are the first to recover. Domestic always is. 
Um, but in terms of a full recovery, you know, Delta is um, stating that it's probably going to be the summer of 2023 before they really see that international business traveler come back. Um, that's where the other 32%, which would then put us above 90% uh, as far as answers are con concerned, stating it's probably a three to five year recovery with 4% uh, saying more than five years. So that covers the general questions. And now let's move into uh, some of the bargaining priorities. And again, this is where you know we're going to talk uh, kind of in general about where your priorities are, but we're not going to list them out because again, it would definitely weaken our position at the negotiating table. So Let's take a look at a few things. Um, for instance, you know there was a question about compensation and where do you want to see that compensation come from? Do you want to see it come from 401k, soft credit, uh, escalators, or just straight pay rates? And there's really no surprise here. I mean, this isn't going to be a surprise to the pilot group or a surprise to management. Uh, the vast, vast majority of you said, we just want more money at higher rates. And again, that is that is very consistent. So that was no surprise. Something else that didn't come in as a surprise is under the commuting and past travel, positive space travel to and from work is being a top priority, and we absolutely agree with you. And again, we're continuing our work on how to try to best secure that for the pilot group. We have received a couple of different offers from the company as to things that they may be seeking, um, contractual changes and so on and so forth, as far as positive space is concerned. Our position is that we believe that we already own this per LOA 91F. So if we can't come to terms that are agreeable, we'll just have to follow the grievance process. And we'll, we'll keep the pilot group updated as to the progress on that as it continues. And moving along in our bargaining priorities, we asked the pilot group two different questions. What do you want our focus to be right now during the pandemic? Or what should it be right now during the pandemic? And what do you want our focus to be after the pandemic is over? And this question came out exactly like I thought it was going to come out. During the pandemic, you want us to avoid involuntary concessions, avoid furloughs, focus on career progression, and lastly, try to achieve new benefits. And that's exactly where our focus has been and, and your focus is right in line with ours. Um, we have done a very good job of avoiding involuntary furloughs and avoiding involuntary concessions. I do understand that some people have been downgraded and in their place, other people have been upgraded as we've had some vacancies. But as far as a net loss of captains, we haven't experienced any. We also haven't experienced any involuntary furloughs. Yes, there were some people that were sent back from the training department to the line. And unfortunately, a couple of those did not have any medicals. And so we, we are sympathetic to that, uh, that position. But when we talk about involuntary furloughs, we're talking about the kind of furloughs that we're seeing at the vast majority of carriers, which now have also started to recall their pilots, which is definitely good news. Now, where is our focus after COVID? Number one is career progression. Number one is career progression. And that tells me that the vast majority of the pilot group understands the benefits to career progression and the problems that we're trying to address. Number two would be job security. And we, we achieve that through a renewed and more robust fleet guarantee. So I think the education pieces on what we're trying to accomplish and more importantly why have definitely resonated throughout the pilot ranks. And thank you for that. Number three would be new, new benefits. And number four would be avoiding concessions. And then one of the last questions that we asked um, was please rate um, where you are at with career progression. My priorities for career progression are as follows. And we gave you several different options. Um, we gave you a contractually guaranteed career progression model to Delta. 
contractually guaranteed interview with Delta, defined pathway to a different airline, non-contractual, non-guaranteed interview with Delta. You support career progression and guaranteed a contractual, but you plan on going to another carrier, or you're not supportive of any efforts to secure jobs or advance careers. I'm very, very pleased to report that 76% of the pilot group are in favor of contractually guaranteed career progression to, uh, model to Delta, with another just slightly under 10% that support guaranteed and contractual career progression, but plan on going to another carrier. When you combine those, 86% of the pilot group supports the direction of the MEC, which is guaranteed and contractual career progression, and that's great. But you know, what I'm really shooting for is 100%. I want everybody to understand the benefits, not just from a monetary standpoint, but from a job security standpoint, I would like everybody to understand the benefits of GCCP. So thank you. I think we are, we've are we done a great job and a fantastic job. We've just got to close that gap with that last 14%. So thank you so much for the, that feedback. So the last section of the survey covered the performance and results of your Endeavor MEC. And so the first question was, please rate the overall direction and priorities of your MEC representatives. And 79% of you said that we're doing either a good or very good job with another 17% saying average. Most of the comment sections that we've read inside here are thank you for uh, not having me furloughed. I'm surprised I'm not on the street. I'm surprised that I've been able to keep a good paying job. Um, that was really the vast majority of comments and, and we're happy with that performance and outcome as well. Certainly um, there were some trials and tribulations and we weren't sure that uh, we were always going to get there, but we were able to get there and, and that was a great result for everyone. Um, the next question was on our approach with dealing with management. 1.7% um, of the pilots said that we are too aggressive. 1.7% also said we were too passive. And 79% said it's just about right. And our philosophy really inside the Endeavor MEC, you know, in general, but at the bargaining table specifically, is always, you know, be flexible where able and firm where you need to be. And we've expressed this so many times with um, our counterparts at the table. We've always said, look, we can be flexible on valuations, but we must have uh, value on our side and in our agreements. Uh, I've said the same thing in, in chairman's updates at the start of COVID. You know, our benefits can be low cost, no cost, delayed or deferred, but they must exist. You know, we're not we're not interested in giving up the you know, long fought, sought after pillars of our contract without equitable value in return. And so I think that almost with almost 80% of you saying that that is the right approach, um, we're going to continue doing that because it has yielded some great results. Um, the next question was rate the quality of your union representation by your MEC. 77% said good to very good. So thank you for that. Lots of really strong comments about the more robust communication structure that we have. And we do have plans on doing more of that in uh, 2021. So look for that. 18% of you said average. And then the rest of you said that we, we need to work on it a little bit. And we definitely take that. And thank you so much. And then overall, rate the performance of the Endeavor MEC. And 77% said good to very good, regardless of what we're talking about. So um, I also want to let you know that there were 11 text boxes um, throughout the survey that you could leave comments for, and there were 936 participants. And not, it's not that every single pilot uh, filled in every single box, but I do want you to know that I have read, as have the officers, as have the reps, I have read every single comment 
uh, multiple times. And we take that feedback and we take it to heart. Overall, um, I've been asked, were there any surprises in the survey? And, and really, very, very few. Um, this survey came out just about exactly as I thought it would come out, um, which means we're doing a great job of reaching out to you. You're doing a great job of giving us feedback, and we're doing it together an excellent job of formulating our strategies. So thank you so much for this. Um, it will not be another four years before we do another survey. We will definitely be doing them on a more regular basis. Uh, we do appreciate that feedback. We are going to be doing our new version of the All Pilot Conference Call, which is going to be called On Air with the Chair, live at the beginning of March to continue to go over these survey results. This hopefully gives you a primer, but that will give you a forum to be able to ask uh, specific questions, and we will be as transparent uh, with all of the results as we can be. As always, thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Please reach out to me or your reps if you have any questions. Uh, fly safe, be safe, and we'll see you out on the line. Send everything to 531, runway 28, quit the land.